But why are you confessing that? Confession by definition means to say the same thing. God said that about you. God said you're blessed going in and blessed coming out. And so when you get in agreement with God who cannot lie. Now you're covenant minded. I'm this because God said I'm this. I'm the head and not the tail because God said. I'm above only and not beneath because God said. I'm the healed of the Lord because God said. And I believe what God said. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. That's the basis of a covenant mindset. That's the basis. God cannot lie. God cannot lie. And so religion will say, well, you people, you know, you, that confession and calling things that be not, you know, uh, uh, you, just, you just feel like you're lying. Listen, Charles Capps put it this way so succinctly and simply. He said, how could you be lying saying what God said? When you say what God said and you know God cannot lie. And you say what God said. Right? If you, look at the, if you looked at your phone today, it was near about 70 degrees, 68, I think. Well, if somebody said, what's the temperature, and you said 68, you wouldn't be lying. That's the temperature. Why do you mean 68? Don't feel no 68 to me. Well, it may not feel it, but it is because it says it. Amen. A covenant mindset is a mindset that has nothing to do with feeling and has nothing to do with the way things seem. It has something to do with what God said. Amen. God, who cannot lie, told Abram, I will make you the father of many nations when he was 75 years old. And he walked him through this covenant process until finally at the age of 100, he had that son. God can't lie. Mm, Genesis 22. There's a lot here. Glory to God. Amen. This, this is what gives you surety. This is what gives you confidence. This is what gives you uh, stamina. Because I, I, I know I have a covenant with God who can't lie. Amen. Amen. And then it never comes up. See, you don't talk things that are not contained in your covenant. Amen. When, whenever you start saying things that what we in Word of Faith circles call a negative confession, it's something outside my covenant. Ah, my children, boy, they're just living like the devil. I don't know whatever's going to happen to them. See, that's outside your covenant. Because the covenant promise is I will contend with them that contend with you and I'll save your children. The covenant promise in the book of Acts, and, and, and we saw it first in the book of Joel, was in the last days, it shall, now watch, covenant language, it shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. That's covenant language. It shall come to pass, saith the Lord, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Ugh. 
Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. On my servants and on my handmaidens in that day, saith the Lord, I'll pour out my spirit. So the very first group that's mentioned that's going to walk in the power of the spirit is your sons and daughters. And he said, it shall come to pass, saith the Lord. Saith Jehovah, saith the self-existent one, saying the eternally self-existent God that has spoken it, has he said it, and shall he not do it? They might be living wrong, but it's just a matter of time before they're shouting and speaking in tongues and prophesying and living for God wholeheartedly. Why? God, who cannot lie, promised it. Promised it. Uh-huh. Glory to God. And, 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 and what's that do? Closes the book. That's it. Settles the issue. Amen. They don't know it, but they're going to serve God. Hallelujah. Yeah. Genesis 22, verse 1. It came to pass after these things, God did tempt Abraham. And said unto him, Abraham, he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, that you love. Get into the land of Moriah. Offer him, therefore, a burnt offering upon one of the mountains that I will tell you of. Notice, and Abraham rose up early in the morning. And saddled his ass. And took two of his young men with him, Isaac his son. Clave the wood for the burnt offering. Rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Now notice, after the cutting of the covenant, there's a specific test of the covenant. The, the King James says God tempted Abraham. He didn't tempt Abraham. The Bible says God doesn't tempt man. He tested the covenant. It was a test of Abraham's commitment to the fidelity of this covenant. Hallelujah. God was testing his commitment to the covenant. Now, this is so important. If Abraham backs out of this, think about this now. He still has a son. God did what he said. But he doesn't have the blessing that comes with the covenant. Abraham could have backed out of this. Why? Because God was the one that made all the promises. God made all the promises. God did not make Abraham do this. Because friends don't do that. God was the initiator of the covenant. He had done what he'd promised. He had given Abraham a son. Now God needs Abraham to give him his son. Give. Give. It had to be a willing act on Abraham's part. He asked for him. He asked. He asked, and Abraham gave. In a covenant relationship, the covenant is kept because a person wants to, not because they have to. It's the shadow of grace. I serve God because I have to. Very often you hear people preach on, 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 on this and they'll make a statement. And they'll say, you know, under the old covenant, you know, it was this and that and, and there were these different rules. It's a misnomer because that wasn't under the first covenant. It was under the law. The first covenant 
that our, that our relationship with God is based on, the only requirement you see is faith and obedience. There's a difference. The, the Bible says the law has been done away with. It said the covenant's everlasting. The, the covenant that Jesus made in His blood brought us into the covenant that God made with Abraham. That's why Romans chapter 2 tells us that we are the seed of Abraham. That he is not a Jew that's one outwardly, but one inwardly. And circumcision is not that of the flesh, but of the heart. So then they that be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Paul called Abraham our father throughout the Pauline epistles. We've been brought into this covenant. Oh, glory. Abraham was giving his son, not because he had to, but because he wanted to as a covenant partner with God. Now we've read this over and over again. Hebrews 11 says he settled it. That he reckoned that God was able to raise him from the dead. And he said he was, that God received Isaac in a figure. That, that God saw Abraham's heart and his intention and knew. That's it. That's it right there. He'd have went through with it. Glory to God. Abraham was giving his son. Now, I won't take the time. You can write these down. Three times in the Bible, three times, Abraham's called the friend of God. Second Chronicles 20 and verse 7. He's called God's friend. Isaiah 41 and 8. He's called God's friend. James 2.23. He's called God's friend. Now, that's important. Because friend in the Old Testament means beloved or to have affection. Beloved or to have affection. In, in James, it means associate or neighbor. Amen. So God and Abraham were associates. They were neighbors. They, they were beloved by each other. They had affection for each other. God didn't have to make Abraham do this. Now, re religion for preaching fodder will draw this thing out. There was nothing drawn out. When, when you read in the original languages, it lets us know that Abraham began to prepare immediately to do this. He had, to, he had to clave enough wood. He had to chop enough wood to burn a human body. Because that's what would happen. He would have slayed Isaac and burned him. Now people over the years have said, well, God hates human sacrifice. Why, why would he do this? It's, listen, it's the ultimate test of this covenant. Amen. He, he, notice he didn't let him go through with it. Because he knew his heart. For Abraham to get the stuff together and go up that mountain, he's dedicated to the covenant. Amen. Glory to God. Glory. See, a covenant mindset's required for you to do what God wants you to do. Because you're going to hit bumps in the road. And if you don't have a covenant mindset, you'll get sidetracked by the bumps in the road. The pressure that comes. Amen. Now, ha-ha. Their covenant relationship has grown to the place that they were friends. 
They were associates. They were beloved of each other. This is so important. Isaac here is a perfect type of Christ. I'll show you this in a moment from the New Testament. He's a perfect type of Christ. You know, most estimates are, you know, Isaac was not a child. One of the most uh, reliable estimates is that he was 25 years old. Now think about this. Abraham, the father, had to have faith to give the son. The son had to have faith to be given. God the Father had to give His Son. Jesus the Son had to have faith to be given. Because He didn't have to be given. He didn't have to go. Isaac didn't have to go. Do you see this? But he went anyway. Oh, glory. Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God looked on the children of Israel, and God had respect to them. The word remembered here used, the word remembered used here means to make a memorial. To make a memorial. When God heard their cry, what came up as a memorial was the covenant he had with Abraham. Because he had promised, I'll deliver your people. They're going to go into bondage and I'll deliver them. Oh, hallelujah. The Israelites could not deliver themselves. They were in bondage to Pharaoh and to Egypt. Hmm. This is a picture of us before Christ in bondage to the world and the God of this world. The Bible says we were hopeless. We were without hope, having no hope without God in the world. Oh, hallelujah. Romans 5. Romans chapter 5. And verse 5. Hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will some dare to die. For peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. All of this came about because of the blood of Christ. But notice, his blood was not only payment, it was the sealing. It was the binding of the second covenant. It was the payment of the second covenant. By his blood, we're saved from wrath. Just as the children of Israel were saved from wrath by the blood, the evidence or the proof of covenant on the doorpost. He said the blood on the doorpost will be a token. It will be proof. Not just the blood. Understand that. Uh, People are taught in church, well, it was just the blood on the doorpost. It's what the blood represented. It was what it was evidence of. It was evidence that those people in that house had a covenant with Almighty God. See, your covenant is this. 
is that the enemy that makes himself your enemy becomes God's enemy. That covenant is there. I will bless them that bless you. God's bound by blood to that. I will curse them that curse you. Now see, for you to do anything to anybody but bless them is a violation of your covenant. When you talk ugly about people, you violate your covenant. Why? Because that's not saying what God would say. That's why Jesus, who was on the earth to bring us into the second covenant, said when people do you wrong, bless them. Bless and revile not. Bless them and don't curse them. Do good to those that spitefully use you and persecute you. Is that what he said? Why? Because that's what keeps you in the covenant. Notice the basis of the covenant between God and Abraham was love. It was friendship. God made Abraham do nothing. There was no law. I mentioned this over the offering. There was no law until God delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt and took them in the wilderness to go to the promised land. There was no law. But when Moses took them into the wilderness and they got to Mount Sinai, they started rebelling against God. Now, God knew they were going to do that. He, he, he said that to Moses. God knew they were going to do that. So what did he do? He instituted the law. This is what you need to do. All through the book of Genesis, when Abraham is spoken to, God said, walk before me and be perfect. When he talked to Isaac, walk before me. And do what I ask you. When he talked to Jacob, walk before me and do what I ask you. There is no law there. Why? They were friends of God. They were friends of God. The people that came out of bondage did not know God. You are not friends with somebody you don't know. I don't care what Facebook says. There are people on Facebook that you say you're friends with and you don't know them. You don't know them from Adam. They're not your friend. <laughs> Friendship is a covenant term. It's a covenant term. It means there's something between you and me. There's love between us. There's association between us. It's like we're neighbors. So God brought a group of people out of bondage that didn't love him. That were not his friends. They were covenant people because of Abraham's relationship with God. But they were not God's friends. Everybody that comes to church doesn't know God. Because everybody that comes to church is not God's friend. You're only God's friend when you're in covenant with God. And you're only in covenant with God because you came through the blood of Jesus. You understand? And so God brought them out and they begin to rebel. So what did he do? He gave them a law. For what purpose? To make it hard on them? To keep them in line so they could walk in the blessing. Hallelujah. That was God's intention. Oh, hallelujah. That's so important. Because there's that friendship. When, uh, when two people get married, there's a covenant made. And you know, through a marriage, and if you've been married any length of time, I hope you figured this out. What happens is you become good friends. 
My wife is my best friend. I'm her best friend. I'd rather be with her than anybody. She'd rather be with me than anybody. Amen. We like to just stand in the kitchen and talk about nothing. But that's my friend. That's my believing buddy. Amen. I have a cup, but notice what it came from a covenant. I have friends, but I don't, I, don't, I don't fellowship with them that way because I have a covenant with her. Is, is that, you understand what I'm saying? God has a covenant with you, God is your friend. Oh, he's my father. He's your friend because you have a covenant relationship. Hallelujah. And that's why we don't need a law to serve God. We do it because we want to. Because of his mercy. See, what Israel should have done was saw the mercy of God and see how God delivered them. And, and, and they should have fell on their knees and said, we don't even know you. We've never even served you. But we are giving our hearts to you and we're going to come into covenant with you and we're going to be your friends. And what would have happened? The whole script would have been flipped. You'd have seen those people that came out of Egyptian bondage. In two weeks, they would have been in the promised land serving God and doing what God said. The covenant can bring you through things that stop other people you can arrive at your destination twice as fast as somebody else because you love God oh hallelujah thank you Lord look, look, look here at Genesis 2 or, or uh, excuse me Romans 2 Romans 2 I'm, I'm hurrying I got two more verses we quoted this earlier. He's not a Jew. Verse 28, that's one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. He's a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. You cannot have circumcision without cutting and without blood. The sign of the covenant, according to Paul, is in our hearts. The blood of the second covenant is in our heart. There's a covenant seal that, I'm in, that God is in covenant with me. Um, remember, God initiated the covenant with Abraham. God initiated the covenant with you. The Bible says nobody can come to the Father except the Spirit draws him. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, but it, why is he the way? He's the ratifier. He's the seal. He is the, he, is the, he is the sacrifice for the second covenant, but the Spirit draws us to the Father. Amen. Hallelujah. And when you're born again and your life is changed, your heart is circumcised. Your life is circumcised. That's why things change. That's, that's why you were what you were when you were a sinner. But five seconds after you were born again, you weren't that anymore because the covenant said, I'm going to circumcise your heart. I'm going to take the old man and I'm going to leave a new man in its place. And on your heart is the seal of circumcision. Hallelujah. And that's why when you look at your life and it's just totally different than it was when you were in the world, that's a sign that you have a covenant with Almighty God. That's a sign. I said that's a sign. 
You're not living right just because you're a Christian. You're living right because your heart has been circumcised because now you are in a covenant with Almighty God. Ah, Let's look at one more verse. Romans 8. Oh, thank you, Lord. I told you there's so much here. I'm skipping over a lot of it. But we'll be back next week and Sunday. Hallelujah. If I want to, I'll tell them to fire up the camera and we'll just preach it tomorrow. (laughs) Romans 8, verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Now you stop right there. That's covenant language. He that spared not his own son. Abraham in the first covenant did not spare his own. Isn't it interesting? God told Abraham, take now your son, your only son. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Perfect parallel. Only son at the time. Not anymore. Now we're all sons of God. But the only son, God... God had to give the only son to redeem all the other sons. The only redeemed the many. And because we've been brought into the covenant, he is now the firstborn among many brethren. Ha, ha, ha. Amen. The firstborn from the dead, the captain of our salvation. The man from glory. Hallelujah. And, <laughs> and there's a man in the Godhead with the sign of the covenant in his body. And every person that's born again has that same sign. We're, we're <laughs> Somebody in the covenant had to bring us into the covenant. He was a covenant man, the son of Abraham. And he died so he could pay the price to bring you and I into the covenant. It wasn't just to go to heaven. Heaven is a reward for being in the covenant. Heaven is a reward for being saved. I'm saved because I've been brought into the covenant. I'm saved because I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the initiator, the author, the finisher of my faith. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Then he said, how shall he not freely with him give us all things? Why did God deliver up his own son? Because Abraham delivered up his own son. Now what I want you to see it through all of these teachings. The covenant God made with Abraham is the basis of our relationship with God. The reason Jesus came into the earth was because of that covenant. The reason we're redeemed is because of that covenant. And if God would go to those lengths to keep His word to Abraham, how far will He go to keep His word to you? The Bible says He will with Him also freely give us all things. Amen. People say, what are all those things? Peter said they are all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Wow. 
and we better stand up. I'll preach all night.